But then comes this word, living and active. And I presume that you are here this morning because one way or another, God's word has gotten through to you. And maybe you can't even remember how it all got started. Maybe it was during worship or home with family or in Sunday school as a kid or out at camp as a youth. However it happened, this word of God found you, claimed you, named you, called you into the community of faith in Christ. Like me, Ooh, I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I... I also want to say good morning and welcome to worship, and if you are visiting with us, we're really blessed uh, that you're here. We live stream the services, so we know that, folks, I got a message this morning, we got a couple of friends who are joining us in worship from Africa. So uh, hi to those friends and uh, others in out east in Pennsylvania and uh, from all around the place. So welcome to worship on this day. Uh, when, <clears throat> when I'm up north, where I have uh, uh, shared with you several times, I enjoy being, uh, and where, in fact, I wrote this particular message last weekend, uh, there's a rough-looking shack that I often walk by, almost every day, in fact, when I'm up there. It's back near a swampy area on the edge of the woods, and it appears to be constructed out of random scrap lumber and, and old tin, and there are several automobiles and other junk kind of scattered around the property. To be honest, it looks like a location that would make a good site to film a horror movie, to, if, if I'm honest. Uh, a while back, while I was walking past there, I noticed that there was a small sign hanging from a pole out in front of the shack, just a wooden uh, board, uh, and in black letters it said, Psalm 109. And I thought to myself, see, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. I mean, uh, whoever lives in there wants to send a message, a, a biblical message. Heck, there might be Lutherans living in that shack, right? Felt a little bad about myself, so I took out my phone because of the day we live in, and I looked up the psalm, and, and then I sort of, uh, as I began to read it, I immediately picked up my pace and started walking a little bit faster, uh, let me share some of it. People who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues, with words of hatred they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. Uh, it goes on. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. So I kept reading, it gets even better. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Has there ever been a more passive-aggressive way to wish somebody dead? <laughs> may his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. 
May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all that he has. And this after apparently he's already died. And may strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. So by now I've started into kind of a slow jog in the other, other direction. I'm still reading. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. May the sin of his mother never be blotted. He went after the guy's mother. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. May their sins always remain before the Lord that he may blot out their name from the earth. The word of the Lord. Today is really part two of the sermon I preached a couple weeks ago when we were finishing up our series on Ephesians. And in that sixth chapter, the final chapter of Ephesians, often referred to as the armor of God, the author described various elements of the faith, encouraging believers to put them on and wear them out into the world. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the sandals of peace, and so on. And the final item we were to carry was the sword of the Spirit. In the passage I have chosen from Hebrews for this rally day, we're still carrying that sword. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. This description of the Word of God is powerful, and in a way it sounds almost like a warning, like like a, a passage you might write on a board and hang it out in front of a scary shack by the woods. You better be careful if you find yourself tangling with this word. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It will not leave you alone. It's alive and active. It won't leave you anywhere to hide. This word even discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you find yourself in the presence of this word of God, not even your private thoughts will go unnoticed. You may want to speed up and pass by on your way when you encounter such a passage. Many years ago, before the election of Pope Paul II, uh, a reporter was out in the uh, realm of the Vatican interviewing people, asking uh, questions, and he came upon a young child, uh, it was a little girl, and asked her, what would you do if you were Pope? And she said, I would have the uh, communion wafers covered with chocolate. That's what I would do. And, uh, And her answer is funny. Uh, but she, she identifies a kind of tendency that we, we have to try and tame God's word a bit, to make it always sweet. Uh, we have a tendency to open the Bible like it is a box full of spiritual chocolates, right? Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. My grandpa Gerhard used to get in trouble because when there were one of those big boxes of fancy chocolates there, 
he would pick them up and squeeze them just enough so that he could see what was in there. And if it wasn't what he wanted, he would put it back. So the whole box would be kind of squished. There's, there's a little bit of a tendency to approach God's word like this. We search through the passage we like the best, and if it's not to our liking, we just put it back, kind of ignore it. I mean, there's a lot of variety in there, right? The Bible also speaks of Jesus as the Logos, the Word of God. John begins his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, the Logos, was God. Hmm? And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten Son. When Jesus was preaching and teaching and his following was growing and his fame was spreading, Peter and the other disciples were right there with him. A couple of them were asking for places of honor when he was coming into this glory they could see. But when the time came for Jesus to explain that there will be suffering and rejection and condemnation and even death before there's anything that anyone would identify as glory, well, then Peter got a bit upset, we remember. He wanted to put that word back. He didn't like that piece of chocolate, but Jesus made it clear that this was the word. And the word is sharp, and it can cut. Get behind me, Satan. Ouch. There is a constant tension in the Christian faith between culture and daily life and the call to discipleship that we gather around today. And the truth is, a faith tradition that avoids calling people into this type of community is a duller blade, if you will. It's much safer in many ways than the church. If I can practice my religion on my own time, by myself, then I don't need to worry about anyone discerning the thoughts and intentions of my heart, right? I don't have to worry about sharing my pain or my sorrow or my politics. And I don't have to worry about hearing about yours. I can just choose the pieces that I like and maybe... Post them on a sign and stay in my own shack. I can squeeze each verse to find out what I want to keep and put the squished ones back. But then comes this word, living and active. And I presume that you are here this morning because one way or another, God's word has gotten through to you. And maybe... You can't even remember how it all got started. Maybe it was during worship or home with family or in Sunday school as a kid or out at camp as a youth. However it happened, this word of God found you, claimed you, named you, called you into the community of faith in Christ. This word is living and active. It is often sharp and it will sometimes cut. Like the surgeon's knife must first cut to allow for the healing to begin. This word of God is the motivation for the ministry, 
done in this place among these people and well beyond. And I'll tell you straight up that sometimes it scares me a bit. It makes me a little bit nervous. I'm never quite sure exactly where it's all leading. This word is scripture, living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. This word is ours. Given so that we might walk with others into the abundant life. Even the author of that Psalm 109 sets aside the vindictiveness and finds a moment of humility and honesty in a way that I suspect hit very close to home for the occupants of that shack who hung it out there on the sign in front of their dilapidated home. But you, sovereign Lord, the psalmist writes, help me for your name's sake. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I fade away like an evening shadow. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees give way from fasting. My body is thin and gaunt. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. Let them know that it is your hand, that you, Lord, have done it. While they curse, may you bless. Here at Prince of Peace, on this rally day, we are reminded what all of this is about. All of it. Into the fear, suspicion, and distrust, the church is sent into the world, into this world with a word, with the word of hope, of redemption, of reconciliation, of inclusion. As I complete my seventh year now as serving as the senior pastor of our congregation this month, I am more grateful than ever for the uniquely gifted and faithful team of staff and lay leaders who serve here with me. I am more convinced than ever of the relevance and profound importance of vital, grace-centered, outwardly focused local congregations like Prince of Peace. How will you worship and give and serve in order to support the ongoing ministry and outreach of your church in this coming season. The future, which does so often feel uncertain, has been defined by a promise. A promise of life filled with love and hope and adventure and sometimes, yes, deep sadness. The promise that you are a part of the family, part of the church of Jesus Christ, and He will never leave you alone. He will not let go of you on this promise. 
you have his word.